We have a great episode for you today. We're talking about cybersecurity. Think about it. The world that we live in right now is pretty much all online. We shop there. We do our finances there and everything else. And so we want to make sure that we are staying very secure online. And so in order to do that, we brought on an expert. And I'm telling you, when he talks, he knows what he is talking about. His name is Nick Espinosa. We ask him all kinds of questions about cybersecurity. How can you keep yourself aware? And what can you be changing uh, that you're not already doing right now? Yeah, I think what's the coolest thing, we've talked to him about this offline, but just so you know who you're listening to is his job. He's hired by corporations, banks, large corporations to go in and hack them. And he told us stories about how easy it was for him to hack individuals. So when he gives you uh, advice today, listen to it. This is a guy paid to hack to be able to help an organization be safer. And so all the advice he's going to give you today is essential to being safe while online. By the way, if you are listening to us and you're thinking you'd like to have all this information in, in note form, we have a blog written on this article. You go to our website, pomwealth.net forward slash blog, and you'll have the article. Also on the top right-hand corner is a button that says uh, schedule a call. And you can see our calendar, myself and Merce, our calendar comes right up and you can schedule a call with us and ask us any questions that you might have. And we would be glad to talk to you. In fact, it would be a pleasure to have a conversation. But before we get into this episode, we need to do a quick disclosure. That's right. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only and not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and Merce Tariq. Welcome everyone to our Secure Your Retirement podcast. Uh, Merce and I are certainly happy to talk with you today. Uh, one of the things that we have been spending quite a bit of conversations with our clients and those that we talk to is how do we say, how, how do we stay safe in a world where cybersecurity is becoming more and more of a term that we're all kind of hearing about, whether that might be one country versus another or right in our own living room or we're trying to get to our finances. And so we have brought on a uh, expert in this area, Nick Espinosa. So Nick, thank you so much for coming on. I, I, I know what you had to share with us is going to be beneficial to our listeners. So thank you. Yeah. Well, and thanks for having me. And to your point, yes, this is our phone isn't stop ringing. <laughs> just, yeah. it's, it's been, it's been kind of nuts. So, so yeah. could you just give us a, I guess, a real high level as to what it is that that you do and, and why you're involved, what's your involvement with cybersecurity? 
Sure, sure. So I'm I'm the chief security fanatic of security fanatics. Uh, we do all things cybersecurity, cyber warfare, cyber terrorism, infrastructure, government compliance, all those kinds of things. Um, and uh, on top of that, I have a nationally syndicated radio show. Uh, you can find it on your local NPR affiliate, I hope. Um, uh, that is based um, around cybersecurity as well. Uh, on top of you know doing TED talks and writing and you know all the other stuff that I've done, I also co-authored a best-selling book about six years ago or so now. So. So it's kind of, I like to say it's not in my blood, it's in my DNA. Yeah, it seems like you've got quite quite the list of uh, things behind you that say, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. So I say we jump right in. Um, uh, you know, the majority of our listeners, the majority of our clients, people that we work with, they are close to retirement or already retired. But I mean, anyone today has access to the inter- internet for the most part. They've got a phone in their hands. They've got the Amazon app. And, and, you know, while, while it's nice and convenient that we can just click a button and within two days, we've got something on our front doorstep, we can't get complacent with how that all works. And so, um, could you kind of take us through as consumers, you know, we're, we're buying online. I personally, I don't like going into stores anymore because it's so convenient to just buy online. I know this websites I like, I know that my sizes and everything like that just comes to the, I don't have to go to the store. Um, but how do we keep ourselves safe when we're doing that? Yeah, so that's an incredibly loaded question. <laughs> Only in the sense that, you know, to your point, yes, I mean, we, we're all online. The pandemic decided to accelerate a couple of different trends that, you know, in the next, we were going to see in the next five to 10 years anyway, which is the, the rampant uprise of shopping online, banking online, doing everything else online, not to mention working remote as well. So, so it's obviously been a huge thing. So I think part of this is an understanding of, of essentially awareness. Uh, so for example, an article that I wrote for Forbes and my second TED talk was called the five laws of cybersecurity. And I actually had my 80 something year old mother in mind when I wrote that, meaning if she, one of the most technologically illiterate people I know, can understand those concepts, then then I think the world can as well. And we have to understand that as we are using technology, as technology innovates, so does the innovation of fraud and hacking and everything else. And we have to be aware of what we are tapping on, what we are clicking on. Uh, You know, is that email really from somebody we know or not? Not to mention the defensive technologies that we can start integrating into a lot of our devices. We need things like antivirus or threat detection systems as we are are using our technology for what it is. And I like to say that, you know, if you have technology, you have to marry it with cybersecurity. At this point, everybody's hacking everybody. And so that's a huge thing. So as we're going on to the Amazons of the world, understand what would happen if your phone was broken into or your phone was stolen or your computer was, was hacked into. What information do you have there? How are you quantifying that? What can I do if I break into your machine? Can I buy a whole bunch of stuff and send it my way? Can I not? These are things that we have to understand. We have to educate ourselves uh, first and foremost on on these kinds of things. Excellent. So I guess if if you had to think about, because you just laid out a bunch of different things, um, uh, if you had to think about if we broke it down into maybe the top one, two, three things that your online consumer does, that's probably the most common mistake that lets people in and, 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 you know, in all essence slips up. Yeah, so one of those things, because we're an increasingly mobile world, um, is to make sure that your mobile devices are encrypted. 
if they're ever lost or stolen from you, then you don't have to worry about somebody really breaking into one of your devices um, and, and retrieving your information or using it maliciously against you in some way, shape or form, i.e. logging into your bank and stealing info you know, or money or, or something like that. So I think that's one of those things that we really have to, to understand is important. The other thing is threat detection systems as well. A lot of people don't see uh, basically our mobile phones as anything except the phone, where it is actually a mobile computer that does a whole bunch of different things for us. And we occasionally use it as a phone, right? We spend more time on Facebook or texting or, or you know, other platforms surfing the web than we actually do making phone calls these days. And so understanding that it is essentially equal to the computer that you have in your house. And if your computer needs threat detection, like antivirus and all of that, so does your, um, so does your mobile device as well. Uh, we are downloading things constantly that can get us infected. I can infect you through Facebook. I can infect you through Twitter. They don't scan for viruses. I can literally create a, a image blurry, let's say of the two of you and send it to you on Facebook and say, hey, is this you? I think this is you from a couple of years ago. You click it thinking, oh, it's me. It's coming from somebody you trust because I've probably broken into like, you know, a friend of yours and now I've infected you through a picture on Facebook. So, so these are things that we, we really have to understand. So good threat detection on top of that awareness, on top of things like encryption, ensure that you're just harder to hit. What does that mean, by the way, uh, could you, when you say and make sure your phone is encrypted, like how do you do that? Like what, describe that for us so we understand right. it. So if you have a more modern phone, like what, a, a later model iPhone or a later model Android, if you are applying a good solid password to the phone, the phone will now encrypt itself automatically. And okay. so, for example, a lot of people use like a four digit pin or something like that. Those are actually very easy to crack. We can break into those on iPhone or Android constantly. And if you're thinking, well, oh, it's 10 tries until the phone wipes itself. The answer is we don't hit the phone. What we do if we have access to the phone is we clone the phone and continuously hit the clones until we get the password because the clones can wipe themselves out. They'll just, they'll just keep auto regenerating as we're attacking the clone. And pretty quickly, we're able to uh, uncover a four digit pin. So having a good solid password, like so for example, on my phone, um, I have a 14 digit password, you know, uppercase, lowercase uh, numbers and special characters like question marks and dashes, that kind of stuff. Um, that actually secures my phone very, very hard because it encrypts it. It basically scrambles the data. And the only way to unlock the data is knowing that password. And if you're thinking, Nick, you're absolutely nuts. If you think I'm going to put a 14 character password, you know, into my phone, the answer is biometrics. I get into my phone instantly thanks to my thumbprint or you know, face ID, some people use that. So having that there assures that if somebody's attempting to clone that phone and hit a four digit pin, they're not gonna get into that phone. Therefore my data is safe, my data is secure. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, Get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. So I like what you said earlier about really understanding not just how much power that that little phone has, but also 
what you're knowing what your risk exposure is. You know, we, right. we work in the world of investing and we talk to clients right. all the time about, hey, what is our risk risk exposure and and tolerance here about, hey, or if we're in stocks, there's risk there. If we're in bonds here, there's there's cat there everything right. has risk exposure. And we don't think about it from the perspective of my phone has all of my life right. in this thing. Right. Um so I thought that was a really good point that we, that's, that's something that I've never approached it from that way either. Um, so right. while we're talking about passwords, you know, every website and every recommendation is, and what we are probably at one point in our life or still currently at fault of is using the same password everywhere at yes. every different website. Right. Yes. So then um, came these things. Uh, I, I, I don't know the technical term for them, but they're ba basically password banks. So it's one password to be able to store all of your passwords in a very safe and password manager, place. password manager. Exactly. Right, right. So what is your thought on those? Cause in my, in my mind, it seems like it makes a lot of sense in one aspect um, cause you're encrypting all of your passwords and keeping those very safe. But in the other side, it's saying, well, there's one password to access your entire life of passwords. Right. Right. So, so to, to, to back up just a little bit, you're hundred percent, right. We are, we are creatures of habit. We are creatures of complacency and complacency is the death knell of cybersecurity. All cybersecurity does all we do in the same way as you're advising your clients, all we do is quantify risk and then attempt to mitigate the risk based on the appetite of the organization. How much risk can you have? How many computers can be off for how long until it's so economically unviable for your company that you're out of business, torches and pitchforks you know, at your door? That logic also applies to individuals as well. Think about this. If you're a high net worth individual or you've got enough net worth, let's say to retire and you don't wanna see that go to China or somewhere, you wanna make sure that you are investing properly in security to ensure that your data, or I'm sorry, your money is not going to move overseas because somebody got in, somebody somebody attacked you, somebody fished you, you fell for something. These are things that we have to understand. Risk quantification for the individual is the same as a corporation. It's just at the scale of an individual. And so as we are talking about that, password managers are one of those things that, that can help in the sense that as you, let's say, sign up for 10 different sites, the password manager can generate very hardened and randomized passwords for you store them in an encrypted database, but there's a couple caveats with password managers. Think about it this way. Most password managers synchronize um, be between themselves, meaning you have a computer at home, you've got that iPhone or whatever you're carrying, and you update the iPhone, it updates the computer, right? But interestingly enough, it's not a one-to-one -one connection. What happens is your iPhone updates the password, it goes to the cloud, basically of the password manager and then synchronizes down to your to your computer so what is one of the largest targets in the cloud for attackers password clouds right because if i can break one pass last pass key pass take your pick game on i've got everybody's password and so understand that about half a dozen times a year um, we read articles that say oh there's a huge vulnerability in one pass last pass key pass take your pick that requires you to update this immediately People being creatures of habit and complacent do not like to update things. We come into technology all the time where it's like, yeah, I haven't updated my phone in six months, you know, and Apple keeps pushing the updates or Android keeps pushing the updates. Well, we patch or we update primarily to fix vulnerability. And so if you have a password manager, you've got to make sure that you are keeping it up to date 
as they are releasing updates for this. Otherwise, somebody could possibly simply break in because a flaw was discovered that you didn't fix, even though the fix was provided for you. So that is, I think, something that is incredibly important to understand. The other side of that, too, is that we are evolving past the traditional username and password, and we're enabling at the most basic level now things like multi-factor authentication. So you can download an authenticator app into your phone, for example, and when you log into Amazon or your bank with your username and password, it then prompts you for a second code. So if I've stolen your username and password, let's say out of the dark web where there's billions of passwords out there, that's how Colonial Pipeline got hit, stolen username and password, logged into their VPN. If I can get that from you, I don't have your physical phone, which means I now don't have that code that changes every 30 to 60 seconds or so. So that is the other side of this. Having just a standard username and password on something is no longer considered valid. Not to mention how these sites store passwords is also important as well. You can have a super awesome password, but Facebook was caught basically storing passwords for hundreds of millions of users in plain text, meaning 20,000 plus of their employees, their engineers could actually read your super awesome secure password. And if you're using that password on Facebook for your bank, you need to change that, right? Because now 20,000 people have the same password that you're using everywhere. And if I have a stolen username and password, we use a technique known as password spraying, which means I'm going to, if I have, let's say, right on, I have your username and password, I'm going to try every bank and credit union that I can possibly think of. I'm going to try every social media, every retail site, like the Amazons of the world. And I'm not sitting here doing this one by one. I basically load up the username and password and my machines rip through every bank, rip through every social media, every financial institution instantly. Hackers are lazy. I'd love to wake up at the crack of noon every day if I could. You know, we go for the lowest hanging fruit. So you've got to make sure that you are you are enabling multi-factor authentication at least now in your life. So <clears throat> with that multi-factor, does that then, uh, in all essence, uh, I, I would I guess I'd exponentially make you safer just by having the the multi-factor? Yes. yes. Un understand understand that every little thing you do adds up to you basically being much more of a pain in the butt to break into. So think about it this way, when we are attacking organizations or companies, and this is a really good example, one of the things we do is we will set up at a, like a local coffee shop where we know their employees will go and we will spoof the wireless for like Starbucks or wherever. People walk in, they connect to our fake wireless. Now we're inserting infections. Now we're mm. copying data out. Now we've got all of this kind of information because that's essentially what we are. That's just, this is, this is who people are. So we've got to make sure that as we are evolving our cybersecurity standards, we're also evolving into multi-factor authentication. So if you've got multi-factor authentication, uh, you know, and, and you're in that coffee shop and I'm stealing your information, but I find out another user doesn't, I'm probably going to ignore you right? Because your information is useless to me unless I have direct access to that phone. And as soon as you're out of my wireless, you're gone, right? Mm -hmm. I might have inserted infections in you, all those kinds of things. So every little thing you do adds up to make you more secure. So I want to remind everyone that's listening, we brought Nick on to um, educate us and help us think through, basically get inside the, of the mind of, of, of that hacker so that you can understand, hey, Here's are the here's the things that they're looking at. Now, I'm sitting here right now in this recording. I'm like, man, I'm getting a little bit of anxiety just hearing about because we don't hear about all how the inner workings work in the day to day, the password spraying, all these things that are actually happening. So it is it, it and it should be scary, right? That that's the world that we live in right now. So we do need to take every precaution that we can. Um, 
Can you talk to us a little about a little bit about phishing emails? Sure. How how they kind of work on a very high level, and then also what are the best things to be doing to be protecting ourselves from being uh, going through a phishing scam? Sure, sure. So I, I think it's important to understand that. And for the record, I'm fun at parties. <laughs> my, job, <laughs> my job might be like, oh my god, but but I'm fun at parties. I really am. Um. So phishing. It actually takes many forms and a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, so for example, the one you mentioned is email, right? You get an email, it could be anything from Prince Ubuntu in Nigeria needs help for his revolution, please send money, kind of those things. Or you can have things like spear phishing. We see this both in the corporate and the personal world. Uh, and, and here's the problem that, that essentially retirees are gonna have. Being in the older generation and seriously, no offense to retirees, you didn't grow up with this kind of technology. And by virtue of that, they are targeted, basically anybody over 60 is targeted at a much higher rate uh, than on the personal side than any other, other age group. And so that's a huge problem. And part of that is understanding that if I'm able to, let's say, break into a mailbox and I realize, oh, well, I've got a 22-year-old you know, individual here and I'm seeing correspondence back you know, between grandma and grandpa, I'm going to craft something that says, hey, grandma, grandpa, it's, you know, me, Johnny, I'm stuck in England, I got robbed, please send $3,000. And grandparents tend to do anything for their grandkids. I know that if my two kids went to my mom and said, hey, I accidentally murdered somebody, my mom would say, I have a shovel and I can keep a secret. I mean, this is what grandparents do. You know, so by virtue of that, we have to make sure that, that as we are communicating through email, uh, we are actually validating who we are. So if Johnny is actually stuck in England, then Johnny can pick up a phone and talk to factors of authentication. And so we have to understand this. My mother sends me all of these crazy emails that, that my uncle, because everybody's got a crazy uncle and I love him, but he's crazy, sends to her and I don't open a single thing. I don't open pictures, I don't click on links, I don't do any of that. And if it's important information, meaning my mom comes to me and says, hey, I need you to change you know, my bank account information, I'm picking up a phone and I'm talking to my mother. These are things that we have to understand that we need to do. Now, there are other forms of phishing outside of this, the, the, just the generic phishing email, as well as those that are very well crafted, looking directly at you because I've compromised somebody in your life and now I'm attacking you. There are also fake forms online. So you accidentally type in google.com as opposed to google.com and it will take you to a website that looks exactly like Google. You're logging into your Gmail account, it's stealing your username and password, and then it's actually logging you into your actual account, but now I'm stealing that information. Or I might have infections on these sites as well. So we see this through phishing like, oh, UPS has a package for you that's delayed, click here. Or you might see an email uh, that basically says like, oh, like you just got an $800 charge on Amazon. And you're like, what on earth are you talking about? I don't, you know, you click there. These are the kinds of things that we're talking about. Those can get you infected as well. The other kind of phishing is actually coming through infections as well. So if you ever get a prompt on your computer that says Facebook needs to call you, call 1-800-Facebook or Microsoft, call 1-800-Microsoft, whatever, those are 100% fake 100% of the time. Try finding an actual support phone number for like Facebook or Google. It's like unlocking the Da Vinci code. They don't want to hear from you. Just use their products and let them data mine. That's all they want. <laughs> so that is always, always, always fake. So if you're seeing something along those lines, if you're clicking on all of these things, this is a huge problem. You've got to, valid, you've got to validate and verify, especially when it comes to financial transactions. I don't care if your grandkid's asking for $50 or $50,000, you better pick up the phone and talk to him or her. It's so unbelievably important. And so the number one thing that we have for essentially phishing is awareness. 
understand that, you know, if it says it's from UPS, the email better be from at ups.com, right? It better not be from Yahoo or Gmail or any one of the plethora of free accounts out there. The links better go there. If your bank, if you get an email from your bank that says change the password, open up a web browser, go to the bank's website itself, save the actual link yourself. Don't click on links. If your bank really needs you to do something, then as soon as you log in using the link you have saved that you know is legitimate, they should tell you what to do or call the bank based off the phone number on the bank's website. We see scams, uh, especially coming interestingly enough out of Pakistan, where, where they put these things like, oh, Chase needs your help, please call. And everybody's used to call centers you know, in Asia. So it's no big deal to talk to somebody right? Uh, you know, with an Indian accent or, or a Pakistani, anything like that. And so people are now getting ripped off that way as well. So make sure that you're using those legitimate, um, legitimate links, but you've got to think, you have to think before you click, think before you open something. You have to build a filter of distrust, essentially in the technological environment around you. This is our biggest problem, hands down, hands down, it's awareness. Well, uh, in just a short 20 minutes, Nick, you have uh, enlightened us uh, quite a bit, and um, it's certainly beneficial. Uh, is there any resource you know of that might, like, you know, that kind of people can go to to say, hey, just to keep their mind, like, talk about awareness. I mean, I, this is obviously aware, making us aware, but is there anywhere we might be able to go to go, oh, this is the thing that I, you know, the new thing, you know, that, that we need to be, be looking out for? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, the perfect example that I have is there's a lot of different sites out there that will give you basic and free education. Um, I, I know overwhelmingly communities across the United States, you know, they have senior centers, community centers, all that kind of stuff that offer oftentimes free or very cheap education, uh, you know, in cybersecurity, in good cyber hygiene. Uh, those are places to check out personally. Um, also, there are organizations. So I sit on the board of a company called Bits and Bytes Cybersecurity Education that is geared basically on basic education for kids from kindergarten through 12th grade, but the lessons apply to everybody universally. I don't care if you're 80 or eight, we all need a basically cyber hygiene in this way. So, so there are good resources out there. Um, there are also um, platforms out there that will basically show you or educate you on how to um, spot phishing email. Udemy, I think has one. Uh, there's a whole bunch of others. Prey Project, I believe is another one. So, so there's a lot of resources out there for, for everybody. Well, fantastic. Thank you so very much. We appreciate it. It's uh, been extremely insightful. Thank you for spending some time with us. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. That wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.